Recording in progress. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... franchising team would like to express our gratitude to Feedspot for listing us as number one in their 2023 list of top 50 franchising podcasts that you should listen to. Thank you from everyone here at Pillars of Franchising. And good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Pillars of Franchising. We've got a great show for you today. It's absolutely packed with just about every single person on the team. I'm going to present to you today with some very exciting information. Uh, right now, Sarah, what, what do you want to talk about for Word on the Street? So I hear that the Jenny Craig whole franchise is going down, um, which is kind of weird. I can always think of Jenny Craig as how moms want to lose their weight which is kind of strange. I have a couple of questions. If I'm going to buy a franchise, mm-hmm. I kind of want to see, like, how do I know that this franchise is not on its way out? You're looking at numbers, but can I do something different than what all these other, like the big companies in charge of? Do I have to stick with the way they market if I think their marketing is wrong? Yeah, I think there's a lot of, if you're in the process of looking to get into franchising, I think there's a lot of red flags to look for. Um, Obviously, we talk on the program a lot about reviewing the FDDs. Item 19, I think, tells you quite a story if you continue to see downward trends without any kind of explanation in terms of what's causing some of those numbers to be failing. Um, Also, one of the critical components before you buy a franchise we talk about is validating with the other franchisees. And that piece tends to be very critical because people will share with you, most of them, very candidly, what they think is going well, what they think isn't going well. Certainly you ask them about marketing, kind of the trajectory of the company. Always ask about, you know, whether it's, as you said, marketing, IT, all of those things become very important. So those are some hard things I would say to look at um, just right out of the gate to make sure that the company is indeed strong um, and moving in the right direction. Okay, so all franchises are kind of different. Um, but do if I'm going to own um, like a Molly Maid, that's where, where I work at. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fr- like you can market different ways. You can market. They give you a whole bunch of different options, um, and some I think are better than others. And sure. coming from my perspective, I thought 
why are we not texting clients? Why are, so for years, I'm like, why are we not doing this? So finally we're doing it. Right. Is well, there like rule that just depends on what franchise you go to, if you can do your own thing or you have to follow their way of doing things, even if sure. you think it's out of date? Yeah, that's actually a really great question. So a lot of franchisors are pretty tight in terms of what you must do, but a lot of them will give you some leeway in your local marketing efforts, right? So let's say, for example, I tend to sponsor a lot of the local schools because my goal in my community is to, part, is to be part of the fabric of the community. So when people think of cleaning, they automatically think of my business. That is not something that my franchisor says I need to do, but it's one of the things that you can do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when it comes to local marketing, that is certainly um, something that you tend to have more uh, feedback and more ability to kind of choose what you do. The other thing, you know, we talked a lot about emerging brands uh, in the last couple of weeks. I think when you talk about getting involved in an emerging brand, particularly if you as a new franchisee have some marketing background, if you understand the demographics of the territory that you're in, a lot of times you have a lot of say with that franchisor in ideas. They allow you to run a test, see what, you know, how those results come out. And um, I think the really important thing is to have a strong relationship with the franchisor and ensure that they have a really strong marketing team. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You just, I think that if you are, actually active in your area and wanting to do things like you know that maybe blockbuster should have went to virtual quicker you know and you know didn't let netflix take over so it's kind of the same thing with johnny craig is what i think that they just kind of missed that opportunity yeah go in different ways so that makes sense we saw a lot of this as examples um when covid19 hit right it was a franchisor and franchisees ability to pivot so you had typical brick-and-mortar restaurants that maybe didn't have drive-throughs, really didn't have much of a carryout business. Suddenly, their ability to pivot was critical in the way they overcame some of the restrictions that were put on them during the pandemic. And much like you could say a Blockbuster or Jenny Craig, they certainly had a much longer time to, to see the evolution away from the products or services they offered. They just weren't nimble enough to make the changes. And sometimes that's a leadership issue. Um, you know, a lot of times it is. They're not able to see, you know, five, ten years ahead. And most people would tell you that you should always be looking ahead, right? Always plan for the next thing, the next five or ten years, have a vision. And sometimes, you know, you just have companies that just have big misses. And whether that's um, because of lack of funding, because of lack of leadership, it's really tough to say. So, All right. Yeah, that's helpful. Thank you. Thank you. And now let's get on to our show. Ah, yay. Welcome, Andrea. Oh, she's on mute. So welcome, Matt Goble. With the, uh, he is the CEO of Woven. How are you today, Matt? Wonderful. How are you doing? Good, good. Andrea, are you there with us now? I, I am here now. Yes, I am. Waking up slowly. <laughs> the next time it takes a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're in Canada, right? I am, yes. Yeah, it's probably not as nice and sunny up well, today we're in a heat wave. Um, we're going to be up to um, 90 American, 30 Celsius. Okay. I love when you say 90 American because if you said Celsius, I would be trying to convert in my head, and that's what Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Well, we're so excited. Matt happens to be here in Chicago today, but I did not know until we were talking before the show. And Matt, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to Chicago? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Matt Goble, I'm the CEO and founder of Woven. Uh, it's currently my focus the last uh, seven years, but before that, and for the last 15 years, I've been in the franchise space, uh, kind of as a supplier. And then uh, in 2016, also started as a multi-unit franchisee. So this uh, interesting perspective as all three sides of franchising, at the pillars of franchising, of uh, supplier, franchisor, and, and franchisee. Um, and then I find myself in Chicago. I live in Indianapolis, but find myself up the road uh, in Chicago this week for the Franchising Young Conference um, is in town this week uh, through tomorrow, through Friday. Awesome. And uh, we talked a little bit about that. That's a great um, event going on for folks who are, I think we said it was like less than 45-ish folks that are in C-suite positions in franchising. So that's a great opportunity to get your brand out there. Yeah. It's, it's a great way to bring together that the next up-and-coming kind of generation of leadership within within the franchising industry across all all segments, right? The suppliers are here. There's Zors here. There's... Um, you know, all sides are, there's a lot of multi-unit franchisees here as well. So it's great to be interacting with this next generation that's coming up. Sure. Can you tell us, I mean, obviously you have a, a vast background um, from a franchisor and franchisee side, but what got you to start Woven? What was the driving factor of that company for you? Yeah, so up, up until the point of starting Woven, I'd been, uh, you know, in the consulting advisory role uh, for brands and kind of going across different industries. Uh, didn't really plan on being in franchising, to be perfectly honest. Just one day woke up and realized that here I am. Uh, a lot of my customers, clients, and what I was doing was in the franchising space. And I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, but what, what me and my team were seeing as we went brand to brand and, and worked on different projects was a consistency, a common thread of pain points and issues that exist when you have um, this convergence of uh, for what is franchising, right? Consistency of operation, brand experience. A customer walks in, they're getting the same thing, or you know, they call up Molly Maids. They they have they have this expectation that's been set for them by the brand. Yeah. Uh, in order to do that and to consistently execute on that, right? It requires getting all these geographically dispersed, largely hourly workforce employees to be doing the same thing in a repeatable fashion. And when you have to manage a bunch of geographically dispersed isolated hourly employees to get them to do the same thing, regardless if it's lawn and spa, gym and fitness, home, health, retail, whatever it is, there's this common thread we saw from brand to brand and industry to industry that honestly, we stepped back and we said, why, why can't we solve this, these issues for the industry? Why, you know, instead of just doing one-off consulting projects that are high dollar and only certain brands can afford or have the, you know, the stomach to go through, um, we backed away and said we should we should bring something to market that actually lack of be corny here, but like weaves it all together into one place, uh-huh. um, hence woven. But like solves all these these issues um, that otherwise calls franchisees and franchisors to go around and just get a bunch of different tools and kind of push right. them together. Uh, so that's that's why woven started. And, and honestly, while we had had this thought for a couple of years, the catalyst to actually do it was when my wife and I became multi-unit franchisees. So we became multi-unit franchisees. We signed our franchise agreements in 2016. 
opened our first two locations in 2017. And that's when we started building Woven as kind of a eat our own dog food situation. Uh Um, Going into it, I've never been an operator before, but I had a lot of perspective on the types of issues we were going to see as we scaled uh, from one to two to three, and then hopefully more than that. Um, And so that's where we just started building. At the time, it wasn't even called Woven, but we started building Woven uh, at that at that time, and it just kind of took off from there. Like it organically grew through uh, the Massage Heights system, which we're franchisees of. And then from there, it started jumping because there's multi-brand owners. And, and then it just kept organically growing through referral and kind of like a viral type thing. Awesome. Matt, so when I actually met Matt, well, I, I had met him at IFA years ago, but we we both spent some time working together at Massage Heights um, on contract in different capacities. And, you know, one of the things that really intrigued me about Woven was the fact that the franchisees of Massage Heights system were, like, absolutely in love with Woven. Like, to them, it just really... Um, strengthened their operations. They were able to really do what they do well. And when I spoke to them, it was consistently the tool that they they all said really helped their business, which I thought was something I've not really seen before because I was a franchisor and I know how challenging it can be to have a system want to take on something. And really the fact that, you know, you kind of just mentioned it, Matt, but I think you don't maybe always understand just how big of a deal it is for something to be franchisee adopted rather than pushed down from the franchisor. Like that's that's really quite different. Um, and, And I think now, you know, from what you've shared, Woven's really developed some new tools and features with the learning management system that just launched. And now I think probably focusing a little bit more on the franchisor side. So, um, like, what benefits do you think and how can something like what Woven provides work to protect a franchisor when they've got so many different things in one platform to think about? Yeah, I think there's a number of different ways to go about thinking through protection as a franchisor, right? You, you, you got multifaceted. Um, specifically for the areas where Woven focuses in on is, is kind of uh, fewfold, fewfold, but one is in the obligations within the franchise agreement to offer training materials, SOPs, yeah. uh, and, and to make sure that those, those items are getting out to not only your franchisees, but, but ultimately down to the people that implement them. Um, so if, if I can zoom out really quick on that question, because I think this is kind of at the core of um, why I was passionate enough to shut my consulting business down and, and start uh, a software company and start over from scratch from a revenue standpoint was was around this, um, you know, pretty consistent divide I saw within the franchise space where, you know, Zors and Zs operate two different business models. Right, yeah. Zor is operating a very different business than what their their Z's, but they're in business together, right? And so, to get that consistency, to, to deliver that brand experience, et cetera, the Zor needs to work through their franchisees. This is all very basic stuff. But what the market brings from a technology standpoint in today's world are are tools that are either Zor specific or franchisee specific. Yeah. And so, Zors have a a set of tools that have been around for a while that that largely solve their macro problems, but offer very little 
day-to-day value for franchisees in the weeds and operations. And on the same time, franchisees have an endless array of tools at their disposal uh, to deal with the day-to-day, you know, putting out fires. And so franchisees are left to their own devices. They go and they collect tools. They, they collect Google Sheets and, <laughs> and God knows what else, and SaaS products and scheduling tools and communication tools and group text messages. And, like, it, it, just, it just builds on itself. And, and there is no platform in the franchising space that, that ultimately is helping bridge the gap and communicate clearly, not just from Zor to Z, but all the way down to the, the actual implementer. Like, your franchisee isn't the one delivering your brand experience. Right, that it's the frontline employee, and when you are just checking the box to say, yeah, I got that information, my franchisee, like legally great, like bare minimum bar was 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 accomplished there, but ultimately, how do you know that 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 franchisee is getting that information out to their team members, right? Are they disseminating it, and and what kind of engagement are you getting with that? And those are the areas I saw consistently kind of lacked within the the space, and so when you Andrew, to come back to your question, right? I think from a protection standpoint is, you know, that that's not just like a legal protection so much as it is protecting your brand, right? Yeah. Ensuring that brand you worked hard to build, that you built this brand equity in, like that your customer, your end customer, um, is is getting the best chance at experiencing consistency that it can. Um, that when they walk into your XYZ, right, that they – they experience what they've experienced every other time they've walked into any other location. I have to tell you, as a franchisee myself, and this being my 16th year, every time we go to, we'll call it convention or, you know, our annual meetings, literally there's somebody up there sharing, here's my best practice. Here's my best practice. And so I must have like 32 different best practices for all of those things that it takes me to manage my business that maybe the franchisor hasn't quite developed yet because it's not a pain point for them. Right. It's a pain point for me. But that, you know, you said something really interesting when I was talking to Matt when I first saw Woven. I actually, re- I think I said something like that. It's almost like Woven has this, this sort of um, like a, a, a platform, but all, all the widgets. For what you need to think about as a franchisor, when you put all the things that they've got in there and you populate it all, you've yes. got what a franchisee needs now. But often a franchisor, especially one that's, you know, new, maybe they have a dozen of their own locations, they start franchising, they're not thinking about it from a franchisee perspective. So that was what struck me when I saw it. It was like this light bulb for the franchisor to have this, this toolkit that is pre-populated in terms of what needs to be there, and they make it their own. Um, I, I was really quite blown away when I first saw it. So, um, With, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's funny you said that, Andrea, because honestly, when we were talking about starting Woven uh, with my team, I we because I had spent we had spent so much time on the Zor side we originally started approaching this from the Zor side and we quickly realized we were going to build another fill in the gap with a whole bunch of tools that are just Zor specific that are on the market today that have been there forever. And um, we backed away from that because we said, well, all we're going to do is recreate the same problem where we build a, we build another tool that franchisors solves their pain point, but we lack the engagement with the franchisee. And this is why we actually backed away from our original plans and said, it's going to take longer, but we first have to go solve problems for franchisees 
that make them want to engage with the tool. We have to solve their pain points. We have to add value for them. And what that means is we have to go get into some really nitty gritty weeds operational stuff, right? Like uh-huh. down into little nuances and just helping them, helping their managers save time, helping their managers reduce burnout, right? Onboarding more efficiently, reducing logins, like all these things franchisees thinks about. We had to go build those first in a way that we get the eyeballs, we get the engagement, not because the Zor tells them that they have to use it, but because we are we are solving problems. We're adding value. Um, we have a bunch of case studies on this now. We've done time studies with our, our larger customers and stuff. We've gotten some really great results from that. Um, with one multi-unit, multi-brand, they have about 200 locations across three different brands. You know, they're saving over a million dollars a year in labor across their 197 locations, right? And they're in Planet Fitness, Bus City Soap, Suntan Cities. You know, so when you're able to, to add that kind of value back into the operation side, you now have consistent use and you have now a set of data that Azure, there's no other way you can get that. If you let your franchisees just wild west it together and you have no way to collect that data. Um, right. And so about two years ago, year and a half, two years ago, we started pivoting into original plan, which is great. We have, we, we now have this foundation. We solve a lot of operational Z problems. And we started adding in the Zor side, right? So LMS, file library, portal sharing, uh, auditing, compliance stuff, right? We're, now we're, we're adding in all these other things, which is actually in a weird roundabout way, way easier now because it's, in, at least in the technology space, it's easier to aggregate up than to try to break down. Um, so we're literally just taking things we already have that we already have use for, use for and just rolling it up. Um, so, you know, I, it, what's interesting is I, I think of our listeners who are like, well, wait a minute. I, you know, I'm looking at buying a franchise because all the systems and support and everything's supposed to be there. And I remember saying very early on, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I'm familiar with HR practices. I'm familiar with performance management and conflict management, all these things that I had to do in my previous career, because as a business owner, they don't ask me like, hey, so how familiar are you with HR practices? And we're like in the second most litigious state next to California. So I was like, holy crap. Okay, well, where where are you supposed to learn that? And so what's interesting is your platform really does fill in a, a big hole. And I guess my question is going to be, so if I'm somebody looking at buying a franchise, um, we need to make sure that we're finding out like what kind of training and support do you give to the franchisee? And is this something that a franchisee like me can call you and say, hey, Matt, I need something. What do you have? Or are you really working um, to stay more at a franchisor level? Yeah. And, and, you know, Kristen, you make a great point. It's it's kind of a, I don't say this in a bad way. It's almost a dirty little secret of franchising that, you you know, you, the intention is this business in a box, right? Like, yeah. I, I want to go out and start something, but I don't want to do it on my own. Franchising model is wonderful for this. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get your marketing, the brand to support you, and all the goodwill for the customer that comes with it. And you get a point of sale system, and you get the playbook and all this other stuff. Yeah. And then you have to hire humans. Yeah. And fire and them. And then it all goes off the rails. Yeah. Because humans are the most difficult part about it. Yeah. Hire, fire, work, comp. I mean. Yeah. And. With that, you just are blindsided. Yeah, and and you know, and again, due to 
other litigious reasons in our country, right, with joint employer and America right now, and the back and forth between administrations. Like, you have this, you have this, it puts franchisors in a really difficult position because they want to help, but they can't help. Uh, and they're basically like, hey, that's not my problem. Like, your employees are your problem. Um, and so it, it, it has left, it, it kind of creates the wild, wild west I talk about where franchisees are, they have no choice. They have to go out and cobble it together. They, they are in a position where they experience a pain point and they have to go solve a pain point, right? Mm-hmm. And they do. And so they go out and they get X, Y, Z and they, and they start kind of bringing all that together. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, ultimately what we're trying to help solve, where helping give, fran- to, to, your, to your question, we're helping give franchisors an option where Woven can act as that uh, bridge or that gap without violating joint employer, right? Where the franchisor still does not have access to any employee data, cannot directly talk to them, doesn't have influence over them directly, right? Um, but still provides to the franchisee uh, the material, the training, the, the things that they have to and or want to, uh, and it makes it super easy for the franchisee to pass that along to their employees without having to repackage it, take it out, put it somewhere else, et cetera. Um, and just streamline the whole process, helps that flow of information get down there better. And when you talk about best practices at convention, right, it helps when you have all your franchisees are on just one operations tool versus like, oh, I use X and I use Y and I use Z and I've cobbled this together and I have a table moving things between things. And it's just like, it, that doesn't, you can't replicate that across the system, right? right. You can't replicate duct and bailing wire um, type solutions. So, yeah, That's it is It is our mission. Like we just, just try to solve that problem. It's, it's a tricky one, but uh, it, it is, our, it's the passion behind what we're doing. That's awesome. So in terms of, like, if someone were wanting to implement a system like Woven, whether they might be a multi-unit franchisee or maybe they're a franchisor, um, like, from your experience, I mean, you come from it from so many different angles. Is there is there a size of a franchise or a number of locations where you think that this makes the most sense? And not just in terms of the, the investment, because I don't, it doesn't like from your website woven is not particularly expensive for all of the pieces that are involved to me as a former franchisor like that just doesn't seem like a lot but then um also in terms of the time to implement can you walk us through sort of what you recommend there yeah um so i i think you know i'll i'll separate out single unit uh into their own yeah. category simply because there is absolutely no replacement from having an owner directly involved in their business. No technology tool is ever going to outweigh what that person's presence can do. Um, And, and at the same time, if your aspirations are only ever to be a single unit, right? Like you don't probably need to invest heavily into systems and stuff. And I, and again, everybody makes their own choice, but really if you are owning your job, which I don't think there's anything wrong with personally, if if it's a lifestyle thing, um, that's great. Like, I don't think, while Woven can help you with some things, it's not the value return that you'd probably be looking for. Um, we typically see a sweet spot approach around 20 locations, uh, either brand or single multi-unit owner. Um, anything less than that, it, it really depends on the longevity and the maturity of the business, 
because again, uh-huh. they're, they're somewhere in some growth mode where depending on how involved the owner still is, they're, they're still doing things some homebrewed way. And, and are they, are they willing and ready to accept standardization and change in processes and systems, or are they not? Will they fight it? Will they resist it? Uh, typically, when you hit 20 locations and above, you have multiple districts, you have regionals, you, 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 are, you have entered a realm of business sophistication that um, you need a system like Woven to reduce the friction and drag created by all these fragmented systems. And you're willing to invest, you, you're, you're going to get an ROI from it. Um, that's kind of where we see that. Um, and we right. can work even okay. more at that size um, pretty well. And the, the ROI is really high. Less than that, right. there is an ROI, but you have to be on a path. Like you have to be building your infrastructure and your environment because you know you're going further. Yeah, and I'm thinking about, you know, I, there's lots of franchisors that might be at 10 and then they've got a dozen that aren't open yet. I mean, to me, that makes sense because they've got to build that with the team they have, which is small, they need that support that you, that Woven can give either through customer support, but also just a platform that, okay, that helps. Yeah, certainly an emerging brand should, looking at, should be looking at this because it's far easier to integrate this in the beginning of opening the business than going backwards and trying to retrain all your employees on how things are going to be. So very interesting. And I wanted to comment um, just briefly and thank you. Uh, you did a great job on your article on spiceworks.com. Four ways technology helps franchise operators reduce staff turnover. Um, if anybody's interested, that's a great article. Matt wrote four very clear points on how uh, Woven helps franchise owners tackle some of those issues. So um, Matt, if people want to get in touch with you, how can we do that? Well, either through the website, startwoven.com. Uh, you can reach out through there or just matt.gobel at startwoven.com as well. You can just reach out to me. Be happy to happy to help however, way, however we can. Awesome. I'm so excited to see all the things you're going to do. And personally, as a franchisee, I'm like, yes, finally, somebody's doing this. So hopefully we'll see you in our system soon. But we'd like to thank you for being on the show today. And we'll have you again on in a, as a follow-up to see just how many um, brands you've really been able to help and make change in people's lives. Wonderful. Appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. Thank Thank you. you, Hey, franchise owners. How's your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or Westvine with a Y dot com. Jerry, welcome to the show today. Kristen, it's amazing to be here. I'm still getting used to getting a notice on my iPad that I'm supposed to unmute so that I don't get caught like Andrea did. <laughs> That's really nice. Thank you. Yeah, what a great, sure. What a great section with Matt and Andrea. Wasn't that amazing at what, uh, what Matt's doing with his platform? 
I mean, I wish I had more units to do it because, you know, Fred and I actually had conversations about this when we first started Pillars of Franchising, some of the holes in operations that franchisees suffer from and some of the things we could do to help out, like through the mentoring and things like that. Um, but, geez, I mean, your business is big enough. You could be hiring him to help set some, some things in place for you. Well, now you know Matt's going to be bugging me now, right? Because he's throwing me a I'm just saying, Gary. You know. I know. Well, you know, but he touched on something that we talk about all the time, especially with the IFA relationship. You know, uh, franchisees buy franchises, prospective franchisees buy franchises, expecting to buy a business in a box. Because, frankly, that's the way they're sold a lot of times by development people and brokers and so on. And it's just, you know, part of the animal. But the fact is, in the world we live in today with the government, you know, regulating more and more of what goes on in the franchise world, having great vendors who help with, you know, human resources at some level, anything to do with the human side of this, of of franchising, it's just almost mandatory because franchisors continue to distance themselves from that to protect themselves from litigation. And so, you know, companies like Matt's are, uh, I think integral right now, but are only going to grow in uh, the span of what they can do for us in the future as franchisees. So great. Yeah, I, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. I can't, I honestly have so many sidebar conversations I'd like to have with them. So I'm excited to have that, that connection now. Well, so, I'm burning up my time talking about Matt. I should probably uh, talk about my subject today, shouldn't I? Well, yeah, since you texted me, I've had this song going, money, 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 going through my head. <laughs> and so tell everyone why I keep singing money, money, money. Because so many franchisees I've worked with in the last two or three weeks are in the same situation. They don't have enough, and uh, they're lost, unfortunately. But So I'm going to go back to the basics, guys. I need everybody to understand that if you're an entrepreneur, if you own a business, whether it's franchised or not, you really have, well, two components that if you manage them correctly will lead to the third component, right? You've got revenue, you've got costs, including overhead costs, and then whatever's left is your profit. And as a franchisee or any entrepreneur, you have to be able to pull the levers that allow you to have the profit goals that you're looking for. And so many franchisees assume that if you just open the door, you know, it'll happen. You'll make a lot of money. It's like in a field of dreams, build it and they will come. Unfortunately, there aren't ghosts that help you when you're a franchisee. So sometimes you have to do the work yourself. So I want to touch on that just a little bit today because I need people to understand it. Uh, Franchising needs strong franchisees and we can't get there if they don't understand those components and really pull the right levers. So, you know, you can look at your cost side But unfortunately, many times you can't do much about the cost side. It's already pretty well controlled. Uh, Franchisors are pretty good at giving you some guidance on those kinds of things. So I get it. So typically, I'm going to talk to my, uh, you know, mentees more about, you know, the revenue side and trying to increase that. And um, number one way to do that is through better marketing. I mean, there's really, you're trying to get more people to come in the door. Uh, I don't care if you're a bricks and mortar or uh, like your business, Kristen, where people call you and you go to their homes or whatever the case might be. We need more people swinging doors, more more people calling us up, whatever the situation might be. And and in the world we live in today, marketing is much easier than it used to be. You know, we used to have TV, radio, and newspaper, and now we've got a lot more beyond that. So I'm an old guy, so I talk about guerrilla marketing and some of the traditional things because there's still 
I think guerrilla marketing is the number one way to build retail type businesses. Um, I'm going to beat that drum forever because you can turn that on and off in a heartbeat. Um, but the new guerrilla marketing is social media and online and those kinds of things. And unfortunately, a lot of franchisees run from that because they don't understand it. So um, I would suggest franchisees wanting more profit, really focus on that, dig into it. If you're not good at social media marketing, there's lots of agencies that will help you out with that uh, because that is the number one lever to pull right now in the world we live in. If you've got the staff, you know, you can increase staff. If, you're, if you've got lots of customers but not enough staff, you can work on sure. that. Yep. You can get more customers. Uh, you can cut costs. But I would say right now the biggest thing to do is try to get more people in the door and spread the word. I, I always talk about uh, selling more things to less people. Yeah. So if you do have the option to add more things to your repertoire, you should do that. I mean, McDonald's retailing. Well, yeah. I mean, McDonald's yeah. did they started asking people, "Would you like fries with that?" Right? Yeah, yeah exactly. They grew their package, what they were selling, and it became a very profitable, profitable uh, avenue. So. Yeah, before uh, you go, before you go too far down that, you know, there's a couple of things you said that I want to ask you about. So. How do you go about, obviously, I think we all acknowledge that the new generation, these younger kids, Gen Z and beyond, Gen Y, they're growing up with this social media. But there's a lot of us that, you know, even when I graduated high school, we didn't have really the internet yet, right? So, you know, how do we bridge that gap? How do you find somebody who's a good social media company to help you with that? Because everybody claims they'll do social media for you, but not everybody can effectively. No, you know, again, uh, I what I would suggest to most people is that they uh, word of mouth is one of the best things, right? Talk to other franchisees that, you know, in our systems, there are people that are always known for being very successful. And so I always reach out to them and I say, what's driving this? What are you using? Who are you using? I just did a couple interviews today with uh, uh, well, people who want to sell me social media work, you know, whatever right. it might have to be. So I want to, just like validation when you become a franchisee, I want to validate what they're doing for their uh, customers that they currently have. So that's the first thing I would say is reach out uh, through your networks to see if you can learn something about that. And I want to see some examples of what they're doing. I literally want to see, you know, the differences in, you know, sales, revenues, whatever metrics that they can pull together mm -hmm. to show how they've taken one of their customers from point A to point B or something like that. I want it to be some business that is, relative to my business so that it, they're going to be after the same prospects. But the fact is, um, <laughs> you know, it's funny thing is you can probably find a high school kid that can help you with a lot of this right now, because with just a little bit of training, they're going to be way better at it than you and I will. Yeah. Well, and it's amazing because I've tried, you know, and, and I use West Bank for some of my stuff and I've got some other companies I use um, as well. But I thought, Oh, you know, there's some things that I want to get on and post. Well, let me tell you, between all the different, you use a hashtag here, you use the pound sign here, I don't know what in the world I'm doing. And it takes a long time. So, if you know, as a franchisee, it's probably not your best use of time if you're not savvy, because you can spend an hour and get like three things done, because you're screwing around trying to figure out what are the best SEO words, if you even know what SEO means, right? You know, the, the bottom line is most franchisees have a business to run. They need to focus on running the business. That's inside the four walls or whatever the case might be. 
uh, and hire experts, people that are, and I say this for myself, I hire smarter people than I am, mm-hmm. is, especially in certain segments like social media. I, yesterday we had a meeting with our social media people and, you know, they're playing with keywords and things like that. And we're watching the metrics to make sure they're moving the right direction because, again, they're pulling levers for us in marketing and we want to make sure we pull the right levers. So I want our, our audience to know that you don't have to know how to do it. You don't have to be great at it. Do some interviews, do some word of mouth, find the right group to help you with that. Give them some goals. Uh, When I started with my most recent one, I wanted to double the number of people coming in my door. It's up to them to tell me they can't do that. They probably won't say that because they want to prove themselves. And fortunately they did. So they get more of my money every month because they're making the door swing. Build your business, franchisees. Don't expect miracles to happen. Uh, Build it and they will come. It's not not necessarily going to happen in this case. Uh, Learn about pulling the right levers, and let's get that business where it needs to be. That's awesome, Jerry. Thank you so much. And, you know, if if anyone has questions for Jerry, you can obviously contact him through our website at uh, pillarsoffranchising.com. And as always, we thank you for your time. And every week, Jerry comes on to share even more tips and his – incredible knowledge on running a successful franchise system. So thank you very much, Jerry Akers. See you next week. What are the top three reasons that you should tune in to Pillars of Franchising? One, franchise advice from a million dollar mentoring team. And two, how about interviews from franchise professionals and influencers? And number three, How about getting some professional tips on buying, growing, and exiting your franchise? Join us on Pillars of Franchising to learn about the secrets of franchising success. You can find us at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, wherever you listen to your podcast. Oh, thank God that commercial's over. But I don't think the show is over. There we are. I'm like, why am I there by myself? It's, it's me in the background just chuckling. Yeah, I was like, when are my eyes going? Am I, is it done? We can't be done yet. No. no Welcome, Karen. Thank you. Thank you. I've, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the time together. Um, I mean, you know, I love it. You know, Jerry's talking about, you know, the cost side. And, and yep. we know, you know, and, and, and driving revenue and, and marketing. And, you know, a big part of the whole cost side is the people, right? Yeah, that's absolutely. a big, huge part. And I love Matt. I'm going to go look up Matt and uh, look at more of what he's doing uh, because, you know, and I loved what he talked about as far as the employees are the brand. They are the brand. They're the okay. ones that deliver that frontline experience. And, and I think a lot, of, a lot of us kind of, we know that, but day to day, many times it's not in center with us. Sure, sure. Okay. Well, and, you know, I think that, you know, you and I talked briefly before this about, you know, it always used to be you're only as good as, your customer's last experience, right? And right. so those are things that I think a lot of people don't think about. You know, if I go to one of Jerry's places and I get a bad haircut, I don't know if I'm going to go back, right? Unless I've gone there a million times before and consistently they're good and I just had a one-off from maybe somebody new. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and as you, were ta- you and I were talking about, you know, when we talk about emerging brands, Mm-hmm. You know, many times, especially with emerging brands where you're trying to establish that brand, so yeah. that frontline experience is even more important because someone, that first experience, if it's not as good, they say, okay, well, then that's how it is. 
Or yeah. if it's a more known brand, you might go back. Or you sure. might tend to go back a little bit more. So, Karen, what do you think is one of the key things for, for franchisees to do when they are getting their teams ready to start a business? Well, first of all, love the system because Matt's right. I mean, that human, that human piece and having that system in place is really critical. So that's a key piece. And then I'm going to do an and. Even with the best systems in place, we have to make sure several things. First of all, and this is singing this song many times, we need to make sure we get the right people uh, in place. And I think too many times what happens is franchisees look at the, the technical. Oh, have, mm-hmm. they, have they done something? Or they'll even... You know, they'll think, okay, have they done this before? Right. And they don't really look at that people side and really look at that person. How do they show up? What's the conversation like? And I think they're, they're quick many times just to kind of hire because, again, if you take a look at where we are and where we've been, it really is tough to hire people. So yeah. they'll kind of hire, some people will say a warm body, which just makes me crazy. I so I think it's, it's looking at that, that people side of it. Mm-hmm. And many times we can we can get that from our behavioral interviewing, situation interviewing. I feel pretty strongly about assessments. And it's assessments for um, you need to be part of the whole interviewing process or, you know, just basically the whole um, process as far as onboarding and hiring people. Mm-hmm. And you can really take a look at, you know, do they have emotional intelligence? Are they people-oriented? How do they handle conflict? You right. know, all these things are really important that might not necessarily all show up on those, that interview, but yeah. it's important to know, and it's kind of your whole picture of, of hiring someone. And I think well, I could, levels. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, the, the, the folks that I hire aren't, aren't college graduates. Some of them may not have even, you know, completed high school, and they're really good at their job. But if they can't get along well with others, right. if they can't interact with the client, I mean, I would rather take somebody who has those good or those good interpersonal skills and are compassionate and train them how to clean. You can be the best cleaner ever, but if you have terrible people skills and you can't build a team and you're not nice to your coworkers or your customers, I don't see the value. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So I think it's, and it's being very clear up front. And again, that's why I love systems being mm-hmm. very clear up front on what's expected, what's expected, you know, technically, part of your job, what's expected people-wise, mm-hmm. and, and not just having it in writing, but reinforcing it, um, yeah. you know, having, you know, modeling that and making sure that you, you connect the dots for people. Yeah. That, that's a critical piece. And then the last piece is holding people accountable to it. I mean, so many times people don't want to hold people accountable. Well, that's how it goes. I can't find people, so I'm going to let it slide. Yeah, and I was sharing, I was sharing with, uh, with Kristen earlier today. I had this uh, situation where I was driving. And all of a sudden, I look in my rearview mirror, and there's this, this car that actually has the, um, the company. I'm trying to make sure I don't say the name of the company. The company sign all over it. Yes. And it, it, the driver's driving erratic, I mean, very erratic, and kind of going in and out of cars, um, uh, speeding around, and going, you know, doing Ill, basically illegal turns, all this stuff. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, that's terrible. I'm not going to go eat to that, pl- that place. This is awful. So I, thought, I was thinking that. I'm thinking, this is pretty terrible. So I'm driving. The more I'm driving, a couple minutes later, I'm like, I'm going to give them a call. As a business owner, I owe it to them. I know, kind yeah. of weird, isn't it? So I pick up the phone. I ask for the general manager. It takes a little bit of time. Yep. And I get on the phone with the person and the general manager. And she thanked me. I mean, I said, business owner to business owner, I typically don't do this. I explain the situation. I said, you know, first of all, 
this is an ins- this could be an insurance problem for you, oh, right? For sure. Let's go there. Second yeah. of all, it's really not good for your brand. Mm-hmm. So the manager then starts to tell me, well, you know, we heard about this person from another place they had been. I'm like, okay, red flag. So again, yeah. I just think we, we try to make so many excuses and don't hold people accountable. And I mean, kind of right? Exactly. Exactly. So, so those are a few things of really just making sure, again, you try to get the right people. You take yeah. a look at the people skills, you know, and you really, and you hold people, they know what's expected and you hold them accountable. Right. Absolutely. Well, I thank you very much for that, Karen. And it's so funny that we talked about doing this and then you had an experience like that. And <laughs> I shared with you that, you know, I had a really great employee that we had to sever ties with and, you know, hands down got all my five-star reviews, but interpersonal skills, we were really bringing the team down. Mm-hmm. So we had to make some really tough choices, Right. but you can't have toxicity in your workplace. It just doesn't work. Well, and so, it eats out. It starts eking, doesn't it? So that one, does. that one toxic person, you're like, okay, well, I'll let it go. And then all of a sudden, you've got more people being toxic, and yeah. then it will show up in the cut to the customer. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's really important for everybody out there when you buy a brand. You know, we you all pay a premium to buy a franchise because you're buying a brand, you're buying the system, you're buying all these such a large investment. Why would you not want to protect it? Exactly. You know, and so I really, you know, again, going back to Matt's, Matt's program and things, I mean, getting the word, getting the message trickled down to the frontline employees could not be more critical, especially today. Right. So. Right. And especially in high growth, when you're trying to grow, you know, when you're trying to grow, sometimes yeah. that's where things can get a little bit loose. Yeah. Because people love to talk about things that don't go right. Yeah. Not so much about all the things that were, as we expected, perfect, you know. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Well, Karen, thank you so much. We really appreciate all that you have to offer us on the the show um, today and always. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you again next week. So if anybody's looking for Karen Kinsey's word, you can contact her through our website at pleasurefranchising.com. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. And thank you all for joining us on the show today. Thank you to Matt Goebel from Woven. We appreciate our million-dollar mentors, Jerry Akers, Ray Pillar, Karen Kinsey-Sword, for their continued commitment and thoughts. And thank you to Laura Liss, our franchise lawyer. Uh, she was not with us today, but, you know, she's here every every week. So uh, last but not least, a special shout-out and thanks to Fred McMurray, who is our chief PETA and producer uh, for the show. And I am Kristen Shelmessy, your fourth franchising mentor, and together we are your resource for franchising success. This has been another episode of Pillars of Franchising. Please join us again next week at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, the dream starts here. Have a great day. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.